I was always obsessed with networks and the internet. Day one of my career, I was in the most top secret environments possible. A lot of small companies have a lot of very terrible security problems. And what they actually need is someone to come in and help them fix those security problems. They can't make use of the tools that bigger enterprises have because they just have to fix all of the basics. Trust is this foundational pillar for everything that we do. And really, compliance is how we build that trust. Hi, I'm Guy Pajarni, CEO and co-founder of Sneak. And you're listening to The Secure Developer, a podcast about security for developers, covering security tools and practices you can and should adopt into your development workflow. It is a part of the Secure Developer community. Check out thesecuredeveloper.com for great talks and content about developer security and to ask questions and share your knowledge. The Secure Developer is brought to you by Heavybit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Secure Developer. Thanks for tuning back in. Today we have a great guest, Duncan Godfrey from AuthZero. Thanks for coming on the show, Duncan. Hi, Guy. No, thank you for having me. And Duncan, we talked about you know a whole bunch of things to review, but I think maybe before we, we dig into the actual topics, maybe kind of walk us through a little bit about what you do and maybe the journey of how you got there. Sure. I wasn't into security as a, as a kid, as probably a lot of people who come into your show did. I was always obsessed with networks and the internet, and that's, that's very much what I wanted to do. So I, I did do computer science and I've been into software, but I got my dream job working for a telecoms company. So that was my first job in the UK. And then day one, I arrived and I'd actually been tapped to work in the government department of a telecoms, which I think everyone knows that now is a standard part of business in the world that we live in. So day one of my career, I was in the most top secret environments possible and working my way through. And I was introduced to the security community of that way. So it, it wasn't a security role, it was sort of a just a security surrounding. Secure surrounding, but a security role. So building secure networks for kind of government clients and doing security reviews and secure systems for data storage and things like that. So it was eye-opening and it, it really framed the way that I view systems from then on because you have to meet certain standards, you have to design them in a certain way and you have to you have to meet all these really interesting and specific requirements. So actually that is really what pulled me into the world of security and thinking about security and thinking about risk and it was a great way to start out. But as you say, I've done quite a few things since then on my journey. So yeah. You got your. Uh, you started with a dose of paranoia a little bit. <laughs> Definite paranoia. Yeah, that, that's certainly what um, what happens in those environments. The worst case scenario is you're always catering for. So yeah, that was a interesting way. But I did that for a couple of years, and then I, I pushed back about being in that world a little bit. So I had a really fun adventure living in Mozambique for a while, and actually working for a telecoms company there. And it was at the beginning of when fiber was landing in Southern Africa down the coast. Mm. So I actually helped build out some of the networks there. So they only had satellite communication a lot of the countries along the East Coast. And suddenly the fiber bonanza arrived and there was tons of bandwidth yeah. and it was that was a lot of fun. And then I came back to the UK after a couple of years and I worked for a very established enterprise company, which was like the complete opposite of that. So I actually worked for the, the post office in the United Kingdom. But that in itself has a lot of interesting security challenges because they have a lot of retail outlets. They have a lot of very old systems that are running all of the tills. So you're 
it's actually, in terms of endpoints, one of the biggest number of endpoints in the UK. So Yeah, yeah you, you have to be close to the customers, so you have a lot of those different points. Yeah, and the customers are interesting and demanding, so that's fun. But I think really what kind of put me on the tech adventure that I've been on for the last couple of years was actually moving up into Amazon. So I joined the security team there, and that was really working at scale, working at Amazon scale, which is just something that I'd never seen before and you know, may never see again because it's probably the biggest network, biggest systems in the world. Yeah, and this is post AWS era already, right? Like this is when AWS is already kind of alive and well. Actually, it was a fun time to join because it was during the transition. So actually, during my time there, a lot of what was Amazon.com moved over to AWS. So I was working mm. on the the .dot com side, but actually, we ran a lot of the network security. So that's always, you kind of see a theme in what I'm talking about. Network security, security monitoring, that's what I've been interested in. And that's what I did for them. So during that period, we were transitioning some things over to AWS. The Amazon itself were transitioning a lot of its own services over to pure AWS, which was interesting. And actually, we as a team were actually using AWS services internally and dogfooding them for the first time. And we were customers too. So we were actually helping to design secure ways to use those services and advise our internal customers. It was a fun time to be there, and it was great to see security and systems at that scale. And then I resisted a little bit, working for a little bit of a big enterprise. I think a couple of years was there. I'd been on that adventure. And then I founded my own thing with a friend of mine, which, looking back, was a very fun year. Unfortunately, the company didn't work out, but it led me to where I am now, so I'm grateful for that part of it. But I was really trying to take take learnings of what I had done as a security professional for bigger companies and try and do that for smaller companies. So that's what we were trying to do with a, this little company called Cadency, so working in the Netherlands. This was more of a consulting kind of a advisory type role or, or as a product capacity? So it was building out security monitoring, so what you would call classically call a SIEM or just your kind of data lake of logs, but doing that at a much smaller scale. So you know, my grand idea was to do that for lots of lots of little companies <laughs> and that would turn into a big business. But the funny thing about that was actually it made me realize that a lot of small companies have a lot of very terrible security problems. Yeah. And what they actually need is someone to come in and help them fix those security problems. They can't make use of the tools that bigger enterprises have because they just have to fix all of the basics. So I found myself getting caught up in that. So actually, it's funny you say consulting, because I actually ended up doing a lot of consulting gigs to try and fix the security of these companies so they could use the system that I was trying to build. <laughs> <laughs> and I never quite saw it as getting there. And I actually see some interesting companies now coming up. I think the way it's working out that we might be headed in that direction. I might have just been a little bit ahead of it. But it's definitely a space in terms of logging and enabling companies to have access to those tools that the bigger companies have was my main aim. Yeah. Then I ended up at Authero, which kind of started up uh, where I am now. So oh very cool. Okay. So well that's that's quite a journey. You've sort of you've seen some some things, you know, even Mozambique and some, you know, secret government chambers and uh, you know, and the big uh, sort of Amazon surrounding, even the startup surrounding. So definitely have this sort of rich perspective coming into Auth0. So let's dig into the uh, the Auth0 work. Uh, walk us through a little bit into like kind of roles and responsibilities maybe that you took on as the company grew, I guess. Uh, you joined when they were you said about 70 people. Yeah, I think I was the 70th. I wish I'd written that number down, but it was around <laughs> about 60 or 70. So, And we're of multiples of that now. So it's been a really fun journey. I kind of split it into two halves. So I'm, I'm now a security leader. I'm leading a security team. But when you join a startup, 
My first year there, I was a principal engineer and I was building out security systems, helping developers deliver secure software. Primarily, I was focused on we're a very heavy AWS shop. So I was just mm-hmm. trying to make sure that our cloud infrastructure was secure and that we could scale and, and keep up with the rapid growth, just in terms of people, but in terms of services that we were deploying and, and things like that. And then as the team and the company grew, and that's kind of the great opportunity of working at Authera is I've grown with it. The team never stops growing, which is fun. So yeah. now I'm a, the director of security and compliance. So it's a kind of combined role. And the second half is primarily focused on leading and building and structuring that team and hiring and making sure we have the right people in the right places and we're we're doing the right things to build that trust with our customers that we need to build for them to use our services. So cool. So well before we dig into this sort of the the org and this group you're doing, when you were joining, just going back a little bit, because I find it very interesting to talk about like when do you do the first security hires or, or subsequent, when you joined at employee 70-ish with security in your title. Were you the first security hire? Were there other previous people that had that mantle? No, there actually was an existing director. So all zero were forward-looking. It was actually a good friend of mine. So that is the reason I joined the company. He said, hey, you should come and work for me. It's um, fast-moving, but you'll be able to have an impact. So come and work. And it was actually when he moved on, I kind of took over his role and kind of took off from there. But there was one other application security engineer who I'm proud to say is still with the company too. So we are like the two oldest serving security people. It's uh, Radek, I think you know too. So Yeah, cool. I mean, it's 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 great and I'm, I'm happy for it. But definitely forward-looking to sort of have, you know, three security staff, if you will, when the company is at circa 70 people. Yeah, I think it's key. And I mean, I'm not going to pretend that we've got everything right, so we are trying to catch up in some areas. But when you're bringing people in at the beginning and you're not having to bolt it on at the end, you're just you're saving time and you're saving money and you're saving frustration. And it's definitely something I'd recommend to other founders. Okay, cool. So this is, you know, fascinating journey. You know, hence kind of the the dig through it. You know, you're coming along, you come, you build the uh, AWS infrastructure. Let's maybe fast forward to today. What is the security team in Auth Zero? What does it look like? Yeah, it's, it's something I love talking about because it's been quite a journey and it's been a lot of fun putting the pieces into place. But really the way that we've divided out now is we have what we call our product security team, which is a kind of cross-functional application and product security team. So there are builders and our breakers. So there are people who are dealing with vulnerability management. They're helping developers through a secure development lifecycle. They are dealing with incoming vulnerabilities and making sure we're dealing with them as quickly and as efficiently as possible and just really like helping engineering understand security, secure development, working with them on best practices. And then we have two other teams. So one of them is a detection and response team. And that's something that is actually feeling like a little bit of a a luxury this year because really we've done detection and response as a whole team Mm -hmm. up until we've been able to get to this size. And now we have a a dedicated team of, of experts who are looking for issues, responding to issues, automating security response, which is something I'm excited about. And then we have our cloud security team. So you can see that was where my strong background was, and that's obviously where I've put a lot of effort, and I handed that off to a, a strong engineer who's kind of driven a couple of engineers now who's driven cloud security forward. And that's what would traditionally be called a SecOps team. That's what it would have been called at Amazon, for example. But really, we're trying to keep ahead of ending up in a SecOps state of mind by automating as much as possible, not having people sitting 
working tickets. It's building software, building automation to keep up with our growth. So when you say cloud security, how does that differ from product security? I mean, how is the cloud bit not product and, and how is it maybe? It's literally securing the cloud. It sounds simplistic, but actually AWS is so complex and we move so quickly and you really need specialists to understand building secure infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And really the way that I've built this program out is I put a lot of emphasis and focus on monitoring, security monitoring, gathering logs, making sure we have a good audit trail for everything that we do. So mm-hmm. the charter of that team is to ensure that we're collecting data from every possible facet and nook and cranny of AWS and pulling that in for analysis. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the reason they exist. And then on top of that, it's building tools for developers to be able to deploy safely to the cloud too. So you know, making sure that they're not having to go it alone if they want to deploy some infrastructure. We're reasonably flexible in Authora around what the development teams want to do. So you do have some DevOps teams who are running the full stack, and that's actually where our team has touch points with those teams a lot more when they're running their infrastructure. We have a couple of straight-up development teams who just deploy services to a, to a platform and things like that. That team is really just securing, monitoring um, the cloud. Okay. Is that a fair analogy to say that this team is kind of like the SRE equivalent for security? You're sort of like engineering the surrounding to be available and to sort of empower, I guess, the dev team, but it's still on a, on its own sort of a turf of expertise? Yeah, I think that's where we're headed more and more. So actually, I find myself hiring more actual, I don't like calling people DevOps engineers, but you know that's what the title is. Yeah. That's what the industry has decided because we are running services. Yeah, so we're running the security services for this monitoring and um, collection and for the tooling and other services that development teams can plug into when they're deploying their infrastructure to get the data they need and to build the services they need. So yeah, I think that's a good way of thinking about it, kind of security SREs. That's a little bit of a work in progress. So it's a it's a mixed disciplinary team of security engineers, but more to the software development side. So I think when people typically think of security engineers, they think of people who run firewalls or they do the configuration on routers and things like that. But really, that's not how you can operate in a cloud environment anymore. And that's not how you can operate in Authera. Everyone's writing software. So it's mm-hmm. security software engineers building security services with some more infrastructure ops people now mixed into the team to help them scale those services too. So we're also giving good quality of service. So Got it. Yeah, it's been an interesting development. Okay, very cool. So I think we dug a little bit into the sort of the cloud security team or you know, I'd love for someone to like figure out a term for for a security SRE. You know, like you, <laughs> you need to do it like it, like make up make up a term and write a book about it, and, and it'll be yours. <laughs> so, so this is the cloud SRE. Can you unravel a little bit what the other teams are doing as well, just for for ownership turfs? Sure. So the the detection response team, it's pretty much as straightforward as it says is what it says on the ten. It's really dealing with the amount of data that the other team, so cloud security being one of the biggest providers of that, the security monitoring data. So if you imagine in AWS with you switch on CloudTrail, you suddenly get audit actions of everything that's happening in your environment. So we have, I think, upwards of 150 AWS accounts now. Hmm. So that becomes a big data problem. Yeah. We're collecting CloudTrail from multiple accounts and you're correlating that data 
you're trying to figure out what's good, what's bad. You're trying to get a baseline of what is normal and what isn't normal. So at a basic level, that team is really working with that data to look for anomalies. So that is their primary focus. And what we're trying to do is avoid that team getting too large because it then becomes a little bit of a drain on the business. So what you'll see is like a sock growing out, you have an analyst role, people will be working tickets on those events. But what we're trying to do is actually automate response to anything that can be automated, we're automating that way. So that team can stay focused on the next level up, which is doing the detection work. And then ultimately, that team is our insurance policy. So that team is the team that deals with a security incident if it ever were to happen. So they're trained incident responders who, mm-hmm. who can deal with tough issues and they can problem solve they can work under pressure if something is happening and um, deal with it so we have a good outcome. So that's how I view that team as my insurance policy. How do they differ from the ops team or how do they collaborate, I guess, with the ops team? Actually, they collaborate with all the ops teams because we need to gather data from all of our systems. So it's a pretty similar relationship across its it's building a relationship to either have to deploy an agent to collect the data you need or working with them if it already exists to just send it to the place you need to go. And then, you know, it's a two-way street because a lot of this isn't necessarily just security information. Like CloudTrail is actually pretty useful for troubleshooting issues. So we're pouring that into a data lake for all teams to use and have access to if they want to troubleshoot things. But really, that team are also, they're kind of the center of excellence around what the right things to be doing in secure systems are too. So they're also doing a little bit of consulting work. They're working on hardening operating systems. They're working on making sure that the ops people are doing the right things in those teams. But they're just trying to get all the data they can so we have all the visibility we can into our networks and into our systems. Got it. Okay. But unlike the cloud security people, you know, they both have this sort of guidance element, but they also kind of carry a pager. Yeah, ultimately. I mean, cloud security are on call for their, like we run it like a DevOps team, so they're on call for the services they build. So it is an ops team in that way. But yeah, when you're on call, you're focused on dealing with anything that's happening. And we have an interesting environment because we have so many customers and they can use our product in so many different ways that we're actually often offering a lot of advice to customers. And that often comes back to the security team in question. So you're on call, you can be helping a few funny you know, customer issues that have come up. But that's what your focus is. Your focus is dealing with issues. And then when you're not on call, then yeah, you're trying to automate away anything that frustrated you during your uh, on-call period, you know, like any ops team should be doing. Yeah, indeed. One of the beauties of this new sort of DevOps mindset, right? And, and the reason that you kind of own it, you, uh, you get to experience the pain and then hopefully you get to resolve it. Okay, cool. Can you give us a, a sense of of the sizes a little bit, and then before we move over as well to to the product team? So I think you mentioned that the cloud security is like a couple of folks. Yeah, so that's been a project for this year. So we're around about four people. So that's a functioning rotor. Okay, we're going to grow that out to you know five or six people this year. So that's the main aim. So it's a slightly longer rotation. And I think that that's a good size. That's a good, I think, as a rule of thumb, when I've been talking to kind of friends and colleagues in the industry, like you kind of tie it to your headcount, the amount of incident responses you have. It's like one per hundred or one and a half per hundred of the different things that we've we've discussed. So we're kind of keeping pace there. But I don't really want that team to get too much bigger than that. As I said, I really want them to be big on automation. The cloud security team is similar in size and really 
Well, Thero is, we're full in on AWS. So we are, you know, we're an AWS partner and we are building all of our systems there. So that is mm-hmm. a significant real estate to protect. So yeah. that's how I've been able to get the investment in that team to kind of scale it up. So Got it. Okay, cool. So this is, you know, we covered two teams. And then what's team number three? Actually, maybe like the most devish product security team. Yeah, and, and product security teams like a interesting name is kind of one that I came down on. I think at some companies that's doing product development work, but for us it's really being a part of the product development lifecycle. So we have a secure development lifecycle and that team is supporting developers through that. And then that team is also triaging incoming vulnerabilities, assessing them. So we have a white hat program. We use BugCrowd to run our program through there. So Mm -hmm. you get interesting issues cropping up from time to time with people playing and testing with your product. So they're dealing with security researchers, they're dealing with people using that platform. And then we've always had a strong internal testing ethos is something that I've always been a big fan of. So we have a couple of people on that team who are very offensive minded and they'll go out it's not quite a red team. So a red team is a is an organized, well, semi-organized function who will go and kind of try and break your environment in a, a non-structured way. But really this team is trying to do an internal and testing engagements and where they feel is the most important to kind of test and, and play around with and try and break. So I think a good way of thinking that team is like breakers and builders. So they're the people who who are helping build things. But Part of it is also trying to break the things too. So yeah, this is a, the the product team is breakers and builders kind of yeah. combined. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard. I guess I was new to the term of, of a purple team. I'm talking about sort of the uh, the blue team and the uh, and the red team, implying yeah. they, they do attacks, but they do so in collaboration with the defenders. Yes. Uh, so that everything can be loaded and logged and, and automated and repeated. Is that a an interesting kind of term for those two uh, breakers in this team? Actually, so that's a really good way to think about the structure of our teams in general. So the first two teams are my blue teams. So the the detect and respond and the cloud security, they really are the defenders. And then the product security has some aspects, and I think purple team does like capture that well. But I'd say it's more a combined purple team across all of the security teams because we're not really mm-hmm. we're not big enough that people are in silos, nor that I'd want people to get in silos. And we do run some mm-hmm. quite fun like internal testing exercises where we're trying to defend against so, you know our breakers are trying to attack and our, our blue teams are trying to look for that. So um, that is interesting. But yeah, I, I like that way of uh, framing it. Okay, cool. So this team has has those two people, and then also has. The people helping build secure products, as you said, sort of working with the bug bounties and the likes. This is, I guess, what you'd call application security in more classic term. Yeah, so we're trying to have as frictionless as possible experience for developers that run through our secure development lifecycle because the development teams at Authera can choose any way they want to develop software. So we're just trying to plug in wherever we can, but you know, keep it as safe as possible. So our SDL is really at the beginning, you fill out a very short form. I hope the developers will say it shorts too. And that'll that'll steer you in the direction of how much help you're going to need from security. So you'll fill it out and say you're going to be writing service that's going to be handling customer data or PII. Or if you're going to expose a public endpoint, yep. things like that. So it's different paths down our secure development lifecycle. And then it's really... Working our engineers and the security team working with the engineer developing to then do some 
general threat modeling. So just exposing them to that concept of how you can break an application and how typically people attack applications and how data is moving in ways that you might not expect and working them through. So hopefully up front we have the requirements in place and the good controls in place that we end up with good, secure software. And then at the end, we're running some more tests. For our core services, we're getting third parties to come in and test them too, because you kind of need to have that external validation. So after we've done some external testing, then we're pulling our pen testing company, different. we use different vendors, and they'll come in and do a final formal check. But I mean, the way that things move right now, that is definitely the older model, is having that kind of formal check gate, which is mm-hmm. it's getting harder and harder to enforce in like a DevOps world where software is moving. So I find us moving more to yeah. just trying to insert security in the deployment pipeline as much as we can. So it's just transparent to developers. So plugging in different tools into the way that they deploy code and trying to catch everything on the left side of the development cycle as early as we can. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And I guess when would they feel this like a questionnaire or this kind of a short form? Right at the beginning. So ideally, of, of like de- setting up a new service or like at the beginning of what? The beginning of their development. So it, whether it be a feature or a service, yeah. So anything of significance, anything a new team is either a new team or a new service or a significant change to what's happening, then you engage the security team, engage the security process, and then. Be guided. Got it. Maybe this is kind of a good segue for us to sort of talk a little bit about indeed, you know, we talked a lot about how do we operate and you sort of agile and you move around, you build, you run your sort of cloud security uh, capabilities and DevOps. But this kind of shifts us a little bit more into the sort of the, the governance mindset as well and this world of compliance. So maybe let's let's dig into compliance a little bit. You know, compliance, I understand also, you know, it's kind of a part of your mandate and title as well, right? Sort of keep uh, keep off zero compliant <laughs> from a security mantle. Yeah. So what's your approach to it? How do you tackle compliance in the sort of fast-paced surroundings? Yeah, that's really been our journey of the last year and was my primary focus during last year. So it's been really interesting. Previous companies, I think Amazon in particular, compliance was a, was a very scary department that would come in and they would audit you and you were having a compliance audit and it was something that you were worried about happening and it was something that you needed to make sure you had all your, your ducks in a row. And I think... I can see that playing out all throughout my career where the compliance department is a little bit in conflict with the rest of the business, or at least you as an engineer, they feel like they're getting in your way or you're checking a box. But I think the nature of Authero's business, the way that we need customers to trust us, and trust is this foundational pillar for everything that we do. So whenever I'm talking to customers, I'm having to explain to them why they should trust and most sensitive transactions with us and really compliance is how we build that trust. So you kind of internalize that and then you move forward and you treat it as something that's enabling the business. It's enabling sales, it's enabling us to grow and to get the bigger customers that we want. So that makes it easier. And then I've kind of set myself up as a main contributor to getting those compliance. So I'm a, I come from a very technical background and I've worked hand in hand with who is now the director of compliance, uh, who reports into me. And last year in particular, we worked in hand in hand to get that done. But I think in our environment, in a fast moving environment, you have to, similar to what I was saying about pen test reports happening at the end, having a checkbox at the end, that just doesn't really work anymore. 
So you need to think about how you can be compliant, but in a fast moving environment. So you need to actually be building tooling internally to track all of your assets because you don't have a you don't have a list of firewall configurations to give to your auditor anymore. You have a huge amount of data in AWS that you need to process and that you need to present to them in a way that they can understand. You need to come up with frictionless processes in the way that we've done with our um, secure development lifecycle to allow developers to keep moving forward, to keep developing in a secure way, but also fundamentally you need to demonstrate that you have shown maturity along the way, that you're doing things like change control, you're doing things like code reviews, you've got securely tooling built in. So it's coming up with flexible, interesting ways to, to get the job done, to be compliant, but not have that as a burden on the business. And I think I think that's sort of been my approach to security or zero since I've come here. The model of information security that we had at Amazon was you had a very centralized security department, which had a lot of power and a lot of sway to block you, to slow you down, to report you. But when I entered Orthero, I was that was not the power I had or the role that I had. And it's not what I wanted to do. And I, I kind of got on in a what is now called Sec DevOps. I worked within the development teams. I was building infrastructure, building services for them. And that's the same way that I want compliance to be. I don't want them to feel like we're doing this to them. I want it to feel like it's important and that it makes sense and that it's enabling the business. Yeah. And how do uh, how do auditors <laughs> feel about that? You know, when you're, uh, so, you know, I, I like it and I, I believe in what you're saying, you know, in terms of like the way to operate the company. When you're coming to an auditor with, you know, a digest from your data lake instead of your uh, firewall rules, how has the reception to that been on the auditor side? I mean, it's, it's a conversation. So, it was definitely more interesting in the initial conversations as we're trying to explain how we do things. But it's really about having your evidence and, and having the confidence to explain why you're doing what you're doing. But I think the industry is changing. Mm-hmm. So audit, it's, we're not the only people who are cloud native. We're not the only people doing DevOps. So they, they've seen companies like this before. I think five years ago, you might have been laughed out of the audit room. Yeah. And I hope that we're making it easier for other companies to to go down this path too, because I think it's the way to do it. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a much needed transition. We had a, one of the early episodes on this podcast was with uh, Sean Gordon from uh, New Relic, who uh, I think to an extent maybe we owe uh, a bit of uh, a debt you know, for uh, for being one of those early educators, you know, in uh, in this world of cloud for the compliance uh, side of the fence. Okay, cool. So we're doing those and you're investing in compliance and you're building all those components. And and I like what you said before about the trust element and fundamentally, I guess, using that to to help foster trust. Once you build those security controls and you got those compliance certificates, you know, maybe get a vote of confidence, you know, from the customers for it. We definitely feel like since we got um I guess it's been a while now, but it's think when we got the uh, first SOC two compliance, it just kind of streamlines so many conversations. Yeah. It was absolutely worth the effort. So we're getting lots of great sort of insights, and I think super useful as you sort of you know, people look at, at how do they build their org teams, their security orgs, and facilitate them. Before I kind of let you go here, I like to ask every guest that comes on the show just as a as a parting question: if you have a one tip or one piece of advice or you know one pet peeve maybe that you want to kind of get off your chest that you want to share with a team looking to level up their security stance, what would that be? I worry sometimes as an industry, we keep making some of the same mistakes again. And I I really want to dig into that as like a concept. So 
we're moving some of our infrastructure to Kubernetes, for example. So that's a whole new paradigm of, of how we operate infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And I can just see us making the exact same mistakes again when we're yeah. exposing that infrastructure to the internet. You know, They're doing a really good job of catching up with role-based access control now, but that wasn't built in from the beginning. It's really hard as like a security team to audit that and really understand what the infrastructure is. And like what we're building on top of it, I absolutely love. I love containers. I love immutable infrastructure. I'm, I'm loving where we're headed that way. And I'm just worried again that we're not thinking about the basics. So that would be like my pet peeve to any security team is before you get on to the more advanced stuff, really just doing the basics of locking down your access, vulnerability management, making sure you have good hygiene. I'm sure... I've heard it before on your podcast, people have said that, but also it's just vital. So really just getting that solid foundation to build on and just, yeah, that's my current pet peeve. When I see an exposed K8s management infrastructure on the internet, I'm like, (laughs) it feels like uh, mid-2000s again. Yeah, cool. That's a great tip. You know, it's like uh, make sure the basics are there before you get get fancy and into the shiny new new toy area. Yeah. Well, Duncan, this has been a pleasure. Thanks a lot for, for coming on the show. And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And I hope you join us for the next one. That's all we have time for today. If you'd like to come on as a guest on this show or get involved in this community, find us at thesecuredeveloper.com or on Twitter at thesecuredev. Visit heavybit.com to find additional episodes, full transcriptions, and other great podcasts. See you next time.